Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Worthing. This message is by Clive Urquhart. Hey, good morning Horsham and everybody that is connecting online this morning. Great to be with you. Jane and I are down in our Worthing congregation today, so big greetings from there to all you guys. Now, as you know, we're in the middle of a series going through Romans, the book of Romans. And last week, the message that Colin Squires brought was was absolutely phenomenal. Such an encouraging, faith-building, truth-centered message uh, that was just liberating, so encouraging about what God has done in our lives from the first half of Romans chapter six. And this morning, we're gonna continue on in the second half of the chapter and pick up on some things that Colin was saying and kind of just dive into uh, Romans six, verses 14 to 23. Now, we, we know that we're living in challenging times and the word that God is speaking into our lives Uh, needs to be relevant for the times that we're living in and the days that we're in so that we're not only just built up in the truth of who we are in Christ in our own relationship with God this way, but really getting a hold of what God is saying to us at this time, both individually and as a church in each congregation to see how this is expressed in and through our lives in, in 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 a world that is really needing hope and needing Jesus. And so we want to we want to jump into the word this morning and see what God wants to not only say to us, but what does he want to do in our hearts and lives this morning? And uh, as last week at the end of the message, there's a number of questions uh, that I've got for you that you can use round the tables. And as you share in that context, we're also going to be having communion together this morning, breaking bread and praying for one another. So if you like, the ministry is going to happen around tables this morning as we share our lives together, uh, as we uh, as we see what God wants to do in our hearts and lives this morning. Now, in the NIV, the title for this section in Romans 6 is Slaves to Righteousness. In the Truth Version by Pastor Colin, uh, is Freed from the Power of Sin. And what I've called this message is neither of those. Uh, we're going to call this message Guardians of the Truth. And uh, in that in that context of being guardians of the truth, we're going to unpack what does it mean to be a guardian, a carrier of the truth of what God has done in us and what he wants to do through us and how being a guardian is not just a defensive mode, a, a kind of uh, I need to just protect what I've got and look after this. No, what does it mean to be a guardian, to live for, to stand for and and like taking the stick and raising the banner is being a champion for the truth that we live in and all of who that God is in us. And so each of us has a part to play, okay, in God's redemptive plan that he is out working at this moment. What What is God's redemptive plan on earth? It's his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, okay? What does it mean to be part of his kingdom? To have his rule and his reign in our lives, okay? And so we're here to to be guardians of the truth, guardians of God's kingdom, and to see his redemptive plans and purposes outworked in our own lives, but also through us as a church, to Horsham, to the 25 mile radius, and to the nation and beyond. So how 
are each of us a part of God's redemptive plan. First of all, it's yours and my personal salvation that we enter into the kingdom through repentance and faith, through being saved, saved out of this old life of sin and death and into a new life of freedom, grace and truth and everything that God has done in us. And so firstly, we, we, we step into this redemptive plan of God with firstly with our personal salvation. And then secondly, God's redemptive plan, his kingdom on earth being outworked as, as it is in heaven, is us then sharing this kingdom life, this redemptive life, this saving life with others that are around us. Okay, so the second part is then this salvation coming to others and through their lives too. And then together with those that are born again, with those that know Jesus, those in the congregation that we are in, the church that we are part of, we are seeking to take a hold of this kingdom life that we have as guardians of the truth. And we are seeking to share this kingdom life, God's rule and reign on earth as it is in heaven. So God's kingdom purposes are more than your salvation and my salvation only, just on a personal level. He wants us then to join together for his kingdom purposes to be outworked in other people so that his kingdom rule and reign are not only in us, but they also come into others that don't yet know him. Okay. So there's a mandate that God has given us to be guardians of the truth. Now in Romans 6, uh, we're going to look at verses 14, 17 and 18. First of all, this is what it says. And we're going to pick up on some things that Colin brilliantly spoke about last week. It says here in verse 14, sin is not your master any longer. And everybody shouted, Amen. That is brilliant. So just, just declare that for a moment out loud. Sin is not my master any longer. I can hear you all shouting it out really loud. Now just turn to the people around you, around your tables, in your home, and just say, Sin is not your master any longer either. And he, and it's not my master either. Brilliant. Love that. Then what does it say? Neither do you live under religious laws. Okay, we're not controlled by religiosity, trying to be godly, trying to be perfect. No, but we now live in the grace that God has supplied for us, for you and for me. So grace is God giving us everything of who he is, even though we don't deserve it, but he's constantly giving of himself into our lives. So we now have that grace that is at work in us that God has supplied for us. That's brilliant. When, when he supplies or when we supply for somebody, it's something that is given. So God has given us his grace. Okay, his enabling to live in the good and to empower us to live in the good of all that he has given us. Okay, then what does it say in verse 17? I thank God that although you used to be slaves of sin, this is no longer the case. For you have obeyed wholeheartedly the teaching of God's truth that was revealed to you and you are to be guardians of that truth. For you've been liberated from sin, you've been liberated, liberated from the power of sin and can now think of yourselves, having a right mind, having the mind of Christ, think of ourselves as slaves of doing what is right because we now belong to God. So we're no longer slaves of sin, okay? 
We're now slaves to God, okay, to do with all that is right because we now belong to him. So it's his grace in us, enabling us to live doing right, living in the righteousness of who God is in our lives. So it says here that we are guardians of this truth, okay? Now, to be a guardian means a number of things. It means to guard, to keep safe from harm, to keep away from danger, uh, to guard from attack, from loss. It means to protect, to watch over. So if, if you become a guardian of a child, okay, you have the legal right, the legal authority, okay, and part of your responsibility as a guardian of a child is to guard, to protect, to keep safe from harm, danger, attack, loss, damage, uh, and, and it's to look after, create a, a safe environment for that person to grow and become everything that they are, are meant to be, okay? And, and you're creating an environment for not just to protect, but also to grow and to release somebody into all they are supposed to be. And, and so to be a guardian of the truth also means to, to preserve. It means to maintain, to keep alive, to keep possession of to resist decompo decomposition or decay, basically. It means to continue on in the good of. And so to be a guardian is not just a defensive thing of protection in that way, but it's also a very progressive thing and moving forward to be a guardian of the truth is, is to maintain the truth of all that God has given us on the inside. So as well as having a revelation and understanding of who God is and what he's done for us, okay, it's also then to, to guard it, to maintain it, to move forward in that as guardians, okay, because there's others that need to come into the power of that truth of who God is so that their lives can be transformed and saved and healed and, and delivered so they can come into the freedom that we enjoy as believers. Now, we know there's an enemy of this truth. And that's one of the reasons why we're called to, to guard what is on the inside of us. Now, just want to use an analogy for a moment. How many of you have watched the Gardens of the Galaxy, Guardians of the Galaxy films? Maybe the first one that we'll focus on for a moment. And it's part of the Avengers series and it's all completely unreal and unrealistic, totally out there. But it's, it's, some of it's fun to watch, isn't it? So this first film of Guardians of the Galaxy within the Avengers series. This is the brief description describing the film, okay? It says here, brash space adventurer Peter Quill finds himself being the object of pursuit from relentless bounty hunters after he comes into the possession of an orb which is coveted by Ronan, a powerful villain. To evade Ronan, Quill is forced into an uneasy truce with four desperate misfits, gun-toting rocket raccoon, tree-like humanoid Groot, en uh, enigmatic Gamora, and vengeance-driven Drax the Destroyer. But when he discovers the orb's true power and the cosmic threat it poses, Quill must rally his ragtag group to save the universe. How many, how many films are out there that are just about that? The, the usual good versus evil, the so-called good guys versus the bad guys. So many themes these days have this, this kind of uh, 
end of the world scenario. It's the end of mankind, the end of life as we know it, the end of the universe. And, and somebody needs to save mankind and the universe. Somebody's got to do something. And, and so many films are around this redemptive theme. We know life as we have it. Somebody wants to destroy it, but somewhere somebody's got to come and save it, redeem it so that we can carry on life as we, we know it in that sense. And in this scenario, these guys, or, or Peter Quill anyway, the first guy, he, he comes into possession, he actually steals it, but he comes into possession of this orb. Now, the orb is not the focus of our message this morning, or, or whether they are good guys or not, because they don't do some good things along the way. But the, the, the moral or the essence of what we're talking about is this redemptive story. He comes into the possession of something that can change the universe. There's a, an evil guy, Ronan, who wants that because he wants to control the universe and everything within it. And these guys are saying, no, we don't want this to get into his possession because he'll destroy everything. And so we want to keep this in our possession. And now we have a mandate to be guardians of this thing that is so powerful that it must not get into the hands of somebody evil. And we've got to keep this because this is going to be the, for the benefit of mankind. And so it's interesting how it calls them this disparate misfits, this group of people that are not perfect by any means. And, and these guys in all their weaknesses and all their foibles that they have, they join together as a team, as the good guys to take on evil. Now, this redemptive theme that runs through so much of modern uh, uh, filmmaking and storytelling is really based on the original story of creation, okay? And that's really where in the heart of man, there's always this thing of redemption. We can't let anything bad happen. We must come up with an answer. We must come up with a redemptive answer. And we know the original story in the Bible is God's creation. God created in six days, everything on earth that we see and we know. As part of that included creating man, mankind. In order to have relationship, God gave free will, a two-way relationship of love. We know that in that context, in the garden, that man was deceived. In result of deceiving, they make a decision of independence from God, which then basically they sinned and it brought separation between mankind and God. So what did God do? God kicked into gear his redemptive plan to seek and to save what was lost, to restore it, to redeem it and to bring it back to its original intention. And so Jesus was then sent by the Father to bring to earth what was lost, what we didn't have here any longer. And what did he bring? Firstly, he brought the kingdom of God. And as he brought the kingdom of God from heaven to earth, there was going to be a release of God's salvation so that we can enter and come into this kingdom life to be redeemed. But also it meant we were then going to have life in him and his life in us. And so Jesus lived as the guardian of the kingdom and of the truth so that this truth, God's kingdom, could transform our lives and set us free as people to then become the kingdom people on earth that God wants us to be. So we're not just saved to go to heaven. 
God comes and saves us because he has his kingdom purpose to be outworked on earth. So when we're born again, we come into this kingdom and we now join his kingdom to see others people, other people's lives transformed and his kingdom rule and reign come into others' lives and then bring transformation around us in our towns, communities, cities, regions, nations, and so on. Now, we know Jesus being the guardian of the kingdom, being the saviour for mankind, there was opposition, there was opposition to what he, who he was and what he carried and what his life stood for and what it was going to mean for mankind. So the devil tries to come along and take him out before his ministry even started. He, he, tries, he tries to tempt him three times. First one is act independently from God. Do your own thing. Use the power for your own gain. The second one was worship me, worship the devil. Don't worship God, just worship me. Worship anything else, but don't worship God. Okay, and then the third one was really to deny the truth. Deny the truth of who you are and all that that means. And so the enemy tried to take him out and undermine it by tempting him. But what did Jesus do? He was guarding the truth of who he was, what he already had. And, he, and, and each time he came back, to oppose the devil, to resist the devil, to overcome the devil with the truth of who he was and what the truth of, of, of God's word says. And in that, uh, he then resisted the devil. And then what happened? It says the enemy fled. The enemy left him and went away. Now, through the ministry and the life of Jesus, he was constantly opposed in different ways through people. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, uh, even by the Romans, in different ways he was opposed, okay, throughout his ministry. And he constantly had to take a hold of who he was, take a hold of the truth, and continue to guard this deposit, guard this truth, guard this mandate that he'd been given for the benefit of mankind. Now, along the way, what did Jesus do? Jesus invested into a ragtag bunch of people. We call them the disciples. But he took this, such a disparate group of people, fishermen, tax collectors, uh, a, a political guy who wanted to overthrow the Romans and he thought when the Messiah comes, it's going to overthrow it. This kind of political um, activist uh, that he took on, he took on such a diverse group of people. And what did he do? He invested into them the truth of the kingdom. He said, come follow me and I'm going to make you fishers men. I'm going to make you people of my kingdom. I'm going to invest who I am in you. What the truth of the kingdom? Because one day my spirit is going to come upon you and then you're going to continue on earth what I'm going to begin. And then you're going to become guardians of the truth, guardians of the kingdom. Those that keep a hold of who you are in who I am in you. And you're going to share that with others uh, uh, around you. And so what does Jesus do? He takes a hold of them, baptises them in his spirit on the day of Pentecost, which is coming next week. We're going to have a powerful time next week when we meet together. Yes, it's going to be a bit of a shorter service, but God wants to baptise us afresh in his spirit. We'll come to that next week, but come expectant in all the congregations. Uh, I'm going to be here with you guys in Horsham and, and we're going to have a powerful time next Sunday morning. So what does God do? He took hold of them in their generation 
to take hold of the kingdom, to be guardians of the kingdom for their generation and all that then they wrote in the Gospels and then the rest of the New Testament. But then now in the 21st century, God has taken hold of us as a diverse bunch of people from different backgrounds, different age groups, cultures, nationalities, colour skins, languages that we speak, all sorts of things. And he's brought us together. And as far as God's concerned, he looks at us as a beautiful bride, as his children, as his people, as his body, but also as his ambassadors for his purposes on earth. These call us to be carriers, guardians of what we have been given. So what does Paul say? He says, I, I, I know what I've received, the fullness of who Christ is in me, but I'm also seeking to take hold of that so that I live fully in what I have already received. So I'm here to preserve, to maintain the life and the power that I've been given. I'm a guardian of the truth. And then what does he do? He's saying to the church in Rome, you've been called to be guardians of the truth, that which you have been given in Christ, all that you've become in Christ, that the power of sin no longer controls your life. You're no longer a slave to that any longer. You've now been brought alive to Christ and you're now a slave to His. You now belong to Him. We're now guardians of the truth and all that that means. And we're here to bring that truth into the lives of others in the face of all opposition, in the face of attack from the enemy, that we're here to be guardians. So, what does it say when we look at Romans 6 then, verse 19? Paul says here, I'm trying to put this in practical terms. You see, I know how weak you are naturally. This is true of all of us. We used to be slaves of impurity because of what we did with our bodies. Sin was on the increase in our lives. But now we use our bodies in the right way because we now become guardians, because you will do what is right, living holy lives that please our holy God. Why? Because he's now made us guardians of the truth. You see, this is why it's so important that we take hold of the word. We take hold of what we're going through in Romans at this time. And, and we, we don't just listen to what somebody else is saying, but we take hold of the word ourselves and we read it, we declare it, we speak it over our lives. That's how we are, we are guarding the good deposit. That's how we are being guardians of the truth because we are not allowing the lies of the enemy to try and come back and try and usurp the truth in our lives. And so we're holding up this, this shield of faith as guardians of the truth in our own life, but also for one another so that we're a people of truth, guardians of the truth together as to how we move forward. So what does this mean for us personally in our lives? Well, before we were saved, before we knew Jesus, we were constantly plugged into sin with the power on. <laughs> it's like, imagine a plug socket and it switched on. Before we knew Jesus, we were constantly plugged in, the switch was on and you, you naturally sinned. That was the nature that you had. You couldn't help it. Each one of us, we were sinners, okay? You couldn't help it. But now, the other side of the cross, all that we've been reading, sin no longer has power over us because the power of sin has been defeated. It's been broken. The power of sin, when you're a believer and you take a hold of who we are in Christ, 
as a new creation, as a believer, it's been switched off and unplugged. That's why the power of sin no longer has control over our lives because it's switched off and unplugged. We're now connected to a different source of power in our lives. It's the life of God, His power in us. So what does the enemy try and do to stop us being guardians of the truth, uh, ambassadors of the truth? He constantly wants to tempt us. He uses temptation to try and seek to get you and I to plug back into sin and to switch it on because he, the enemy, has lost power over our lives. And so he, what he wants to do, he wants to try and gain some kind of influence and control back on our lives. So he tries to tempt us, tease us and entice us to plug back into things and to switch it on to try and get a little bit of effect and influence to try and undermine us being guardians of the truth, living in the power of the truth and what that means in our lives. So what does he do? He appeals to the natural you. He tries to undermine the truth of who we are now in Christ by appealing to the natural, okay? He tries to mess with our minds. He tries to sow thoughts of doubt, unbelief, negativity. He tries to entice and seduce us with thoughts that appeal to our feelings, that say, well, if you satisfy your feelings, your emotions, the desire that is kind of rising up in you, if he tries to get us to focus on something that causes our emotions to go in one direction, our feelings to grow in and desire in a certain direction, what he then says, he then says is, this is the real you because this is what you feel. This is the real you because this is what your emotions are saying. Come on, guys, get real. And this is what the enemy says into each one of our lives. And then following that, he says, the following then is just indulge your body, just indulge whatever that might look like. And he says, you know you need to. You know you'll be satisfied, feel better, you'll be happy after whatever it is that you indulge in that appeals to the flesh, if you like, that you've, where you, you mix the, the feelings and emotions of your soul with what your body is feeling and wanting to do right now. And he wants to get us back into a cycle of behaviour, a pattern of behaviour, where we feel like I'm not free, I'm not the person I've called to be. And he just works relentlessly on us to try and... And this is why... Paul constantly through this chapter and every chapter in Romans that he writes, he's saying, be guardians. Take a hold of who you are. Take a hold of the grace that I've given you, the grace that enables you to take a hold of the truth that says, I am no longer under the power of sin any longer. I am no longer a sinner. I am someone that have been saved by God's grace and His grace is enabling me to live free from sin, to overcome the power of temptation. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says this in the NIV, No temptation has seized you except what is common to, to, to man, to people. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he always provides a way out so that you can stand up under it. Let's read the same verse in the truth. 
version. Temptation is always around. Although you have not suffered any greater temptation than others experience. In his faithfulness to you, God will not allow you to be tempted in ways possible for you to resist. Sorry, ways that are impossible for you to resist. When you are tempted, he provides the escape route so that you are able to overcome the temptation. So why does Paul say he wants us, we need to be guardians of the truth in our own lives and together with others and on behalf of those that don't yet know Jesus? Because this truth, the truth of who God is, the truth of what his word says is being attacked by the enemy. He's using that through culture and in society in different ways to try and undermine the truth, attack the truth, to make the truth illegal in different ways, to disqualify the truth because the devil knows how powerful the truth of God's word is in you and in me. And he knows that if a believer believes the truth, he can't undermine them. He can't overcome them because he knows a believer who believes will overcome him. I heard uh, when we're, Jane and I were in Scarborough last week, Kingdom Faith Yorkshire for the This Conference, uh, one of the, the guys on the leadership team, Gemma, she was speaking in one of the sessions, absolutely brilliant. Uh, she said at one point, she just stopped in the context of what she was saying about who we are in Christ in different ways. And she said, wow, just imagine if we really, really, really did believe all that Jesus says that we are, we would never, ever say anything negative about ourselves. We would never give ourselves a hard time. We would never put ourselves down. We would never say, I'm not good enough. I'm not, you know, if we really, really believed and understood all that Jesus says we are and have in him, we would be so positive, so uplifting, so encouraging because we'd be like, wow, I'm blown away by who God is in my life and what it means. And, and we would see others in a completely different light because we would see others as who they are in Christ and, and the power of what that means. And so we, we see here in the word that but because we're guardians of the truth, we have the power and the authority to overcome temptation when the enemy wants to come and tease and seduce and try and take us out in different ways. So what does it say in Romans 6, 22 to 23? Paul says here, now that you are liberated from that past life of sin, you can live as God's slave. That is not bondage, not that kind of slavery, but the kind of slavery we're talking about in God leads to holiness and eternal life as your inheritance. You have seen for yourself that sin pays wages, eternal death and separation from God. But God's gift to you is eternal life that is yours in Christ Jesus, your Lord. So what does Paul say to Timothy then following this in 2 Timothy 1, 13 and 14? He says, what you have heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in you, who lives in us. So God has called us to be guardians of the truth of his life, of his kingdom on earth, to be part of his redemptive purposes, his kingdom purposes being outworked through each of us. 
And as we share with one another and pray with one another, as we look at some of the, the, the questions that we've got for you this morning, uh, obviously you don't necessarily have to, like last week, answer all of them, but just maybe pick one or you might go through them all. But just gather around your tables this morning, see what the questions are and mull over, talk through what your response is. What does it mean for you? How do you live as a guardian of the truth? What might be trying to rob that truth from you? And how do you overcome those temptations, the lies of the enemy? How do you stand as a guardian of the truth? How do we do that together? How do we encourage one another together? And so in that context, as you share together, talk together, we're also going to be breaking bread, having communion together again this morning and praying for one another. And, and in that context, if you get a word of encouragement, a word to build someone up, pray for them, prophesy over them, speak to them, encourage them. Let's build each other up in our most holy faith. So together as guardians of the kingdom, not of the galaxy films, but guardians of the kingdom on earth, we live as people of truth. We take hold of what we, already, what we have in Christ and then learn how to live that out together and express that beyond the four walls of who we are to those that don't also yet know Jesus. Let me just pray. Father, I thank you that as we share in the next few minutes, we talk together, open our hearts and lives together, as we break bread, have communion together, as we pray for one another. Father, I thank you for a release of your spirit. I thank you for wisdom and revelation coming through one another by your spirit. And I thank you for healing and wholeness coming into our lives this morning as we minister to one another in the mighty, awesome name of Jesus. Amen. Um, Colin's going to come in the Horsham congregation and just lead you through in a few moments. Uh, but just get around your tables and pray through and share together everything that God wants to do. Bless you. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.